Book Two, Chapter Three, Part Two of History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. History of the Inquisition of Spain, Volume One, by Henry Charles Lee. Book Two, Chapter Three Privileges and Exemptions. Part Two. The exemption from taxation, which included import and export dues, or merchandise and provisions required for officials and prisoners, led to the claim of other privileges, and to not a few abuses. It was not confined to seaports and frontier towns, for the jealous particularism of the kingdoms, dynastically united, kept up their antagonistic policy towards each other and intercourse between them was subjected to regulations similar to those of foreign trade. The exemption from these, as well as from the octroi duties of the towns, was a most important privilege, capable of being turned to account in many ways besides diminishing the expenses of the officials. We have seen that Ferdinand, in 1508, prohibited the issue of orders to pass goods free, but nevertheless it continued. When, in 1540, Blas Ortiz went to take possession of his office as Inquisitor of Valencia, the Suprema furnished him with a pass addressed to all customs officials permitting him to cross the borders with three horses and four pack-mules. He could be required to swear that what he carried was his private property and was not for sale, but all further interference was forbidden under pain of excommunication and a hundred ducats. It was not only on such occasions, however, that the custom houses were thus eluded. Before the introduction of regular posts, the constant communications between the tribunals and with the Suprema were carried by couriers or by muleteers, and the mysterious secrecy which shrouded all the operations of the Holy Office furnished an excuse for preventing any risk that these sacred packages should be examined. All bearers of letters, therefore, even when they had loaded mules, were furnished with passes forbidding, under excommunication and fine, any unpacking or investigation of what they carried. The facilities thus offered for contraband trade are obvious, and their value can only be appreciated through a knowledge of the elaborate system of import and export duties and prohibitions of import and export, which characterize the policy of the period. Complaints were fruitless, for when the Council of Hacienda issued letters against certain familiars in the Canaries, detected in importing prohibited goods, Philip II, February 11, 1593, ordered the letters to be recalled, and that no more should be issued. There were few things concerning which there was more jealousy than the transfer of grain from one Spanish kingdom to another, and when it was permitted there were duties, either import or export, or perhaps both. Deficient harvests in one province or another were not infrequent, and the tribunals were constantly seeking special relief by obtaining permits to violate the laws, or by violating the laws without permits. Many instances of this could be cited, but it will suffice to recount the experience of the Valencia Tribunal 
in endeavouring to obtain wheat from Aragon. For this it had special facilities, for the Aragonese districts of Taruel and Albarracin were subject to it, but, on the other hand, Aragon was especially firm in prohibiting the exportation of wheat. In 1522, the tribunal undertook to bring some wheat from Aragon, and threatened the frontier officials with excommunication if they should interfere. In spite of this, they detained it, when the inquisitor published the censures, and imprisoned a guard whom he caught, whereupon the Aragonese diputados remonstrated, saying that if the emperor or pope wanted wheat from Aragon, he applied for a license, and begging the inquisitor to keep within his jurisdiction and release the guard. Then an accommodation was reached, and the tribunal was permitted to bring in thirty cajises, about one hundred bushels, on condition of removing any excommunication that might exist. But it repudiated its side of the agreement, and summoned the officials to appear and receive penance. This exhausted the patience of the diputados. They ordered the wheat to be stopped, or, if it had gone forward, to be followed and captured with the mules bearing it. The inquisitor might do what he pleased, but they would employ all the forces of the kingdom and enforce respect for the laws. The position in which the inquisitor had placed himself was so untenable that the inquisitor-general issued an order forbidding tribunals to take anything out of Aragon in violation of the prohibitions. The effect of this rebuff was evanescent. The tribunal persisted, and by false pretenses established a claim which, in 1591, the Suprema warned it to use with moderation as the Council of Aragon was making complaint. As usual, no attention was paid to this, and, in 1597, Philip II was compelled to interfere because the tribunal was issuing to excess letters authorizing the export of wheat from Teruel, an abuse which was doubtless abundantly profitable. If this brought any amendment, it was transient. On June 16, 1606, the diputados represented to the tribunal that they were bound by their oaths of office, under pain of excommunication, to enforce the laws prohibiting the export of wheat, that, in spite of these laws, large quantities were carried to Valencia, to the destruction and total ruin of the land by individuals armed with licenses issued by the tribunal. Wherefore, they prayed that no more licenses should be issued. No attention was paid to this, and on January the 8th, 1607, they wrote again, stating that the abuse was increasing, and that they must appeal to the king and the Suprema for its suppression. This brought an answer to the effect that the tribunal was more moderate than it had previously been, and would continue to be so as it would find convenient, without prejudice to the rights conceded to it by the royal sedulas, and, as it was occupied in the service of God, it could reasonably exercise those rights. The asserted rights under which it had so long nullified the laws of Aragon were a conscious fraud, for, when it had complained to the Suprema of the interference of the Diputados, with its immemorial privilege, 
and enclosed the royal cedula conferring it, the Suprema pointed out that this referred only to Castile and not to Aragon. The complaints of the diputados had been listened to, and all that could be done was to invoke the good offices of the Saragossa tribunal to obtain permission to get 1,500 bushels per annum. The Saragossa inquisitors willingly lent their aid, but in vain. They wrote, June 6, 1608, that they had brought to bear all their influence on the diputados, who declared that the fuero prohibiting the export of grain was too strict for them to violate it. A correspondence ensued with the Suprema, which ordered the tribunal, February 8, 1610, to abstain, as previously ordered, but if, in a year, there should be special necessity, it might report the quantity required when instructions would be given. This imposed silence on it until 1618, when another attempt was made to overcome the obstinacy of the diputados. It had abstained, the tribunal said, for some years from issuing licenses, in consequence of the great abuses and excesses of those to whom they were granted. But now the sterility of the land causes great inconveniences, and it asks that the fruits of its prebends in Aragon and its rents be invested in wheat allowed to be exported. The diputados, however, wisely refused to open the door. The law to which they had sworn imposed heavy penalties for its infraction, and they were compelled to refuse. This was probably effectual, as far as concerned Aragon, for we happen to find the tribunal, in 1631, obtaining from the king license to import two hundred and fifty bushels from castile this narrative is instructive in more ways than one the pretense of necessity in the service of god was as fraudulent as the claims put forward the whole business was purely speculative and the licenses were doubtless sold to the highest bidder through all these years the valencian tribunal was at no time in need of wheat from aragon or castile for it had ample privileges at home for all its wants, and it was working these local privileges for a profit to someone. Among other public-spirited acts of Jimenez was the founding, in 1512, of an aljondiga, or public granary, in Toledo, so that, as we are told in 1569, in times of scarcity, the citizens could procure supplies at moderate prices. It was probably owing to this that other cities, including Valencia, formed establishments of the kind, monopolizing the traffic in wheat, to which the citizens resorted day by day for their provision. When a loss occurred in the business, from a surplus over the demand, or from spoiling of the grain, it was assessed upon the citizens, under the name of pan esegrado, but, in 1530, the magistrates relieved the officials of the tribunal from sharing this burden and the exemption was enumerated, in 1707, as still among its privileges. Another privilege, which it shared with the viceroy and the archbishop, was that the baker who served it was the second one allowed every morning to enter the granary and select a sack of wheat of five and a half bushels, and every week, three and a half bushels of trigo candel, without payment, save a small tax known as murs y vals, 
evidently for the maintenance of the city defenses. This he baked and distributed the bread among the officials and to the prison, in allotted portions, and what was over he sold, showing that the tribunal not only got its wheat gratuitously, but more than it needed to somebody's profit. The amount must have been considerable, for the bakers complained of the unfair competition of the favored baker, and, in 1609, the city endeavored to put an end to the abuse, but without success. The matter slumbered until 1627, when the city obtained a royal cedula abolishing the privilege of taking the wheat, but obedience to this was refused because it had been issued without preliminary notice to the other side, and without a junta or conference between the Suprema and the Council of Aragon. Then the city ordered the baker no longer to go to the granary for wheat, and the aggrieved Suprema complained loudly to the king, urging him to consider the services to God and the tonsure of the inquisitors, and not to allow these holy labors to be interrupted by the necessity of going personally to the granary. To this, Philip replied by ordering the fueros to be observed, which was virtually a confirmation of his cedula, but this seems to have been similarly disregarded, for, in 1628, we find the city again endeavoring to put an end to the collateral abuse of the sale of the surplus bread, and the tribunal busily engaged in gathering testimony to prove that this had publicly been the custom from time immemorial. In proving this, however, it also proved unconsciously how fraudulent had been the claim that it had been in need of wheat from Aragon. This commercial development of the Inquisition led it to utilize its exemption from taxation and octroi duties, opening shops for the necessaries of life, causing violent quarrels with the cities whose revenues were impaired and whose laws were ostentatiously disregarded. Among a number of cases of this in the records, a series of occurrences in Saragossa will illustrate this phase of the activity of the Holy Office. A large part of the local revenues of the city was derived from a monopoly of wine, meal, and provisions, and no citizen was allowed to bring these articles within the gates. The Aljaferia, occupied by the tribunal, was situated a few hundred feet beyond the walls. The inquisitors assumed that they were not bound by the municipal regulations. They introduced what they pleased into the town, and the authorities complained that they maintained in the Aljaferia a public meat market, a tavern, and a shop where citizens could purchase freely to the infinite damage of the public revenues. The Cortes of 1626 demanded that affairs should be reduced to what they had been prior to the troubles of 1591, when the Aljaferia was garrisoned with soldiers, giving rise to profitable trade. But the Suprema prevented the royal confirmation of the acts of the Cortes, and the matter was left open. This led to troubles, which came to a head, September 21, 1626, when a load of wine for the tribunal, on entering the city, was seized under the law by the guard and taken to the house of one of the Juardos, or town councillors. At once, 
the inquisitors issued letters demanding its release under pain of excommunication and a thousand ducats. The jurados lost no time in forming the competencia, which, in accordance with the existing concordia, was the method provided for deciding such contests. But the inquisitors refused to join in it, asserting that there could be no competencia, as it was a matter of faith, and impeding the Inquisition in its exercise of its functions. They arrested and imprisoned one of the guards, notwithstanding that he had letters of manifestacion from the court of the Justicia of Aragon, a species of habeas corpus of the highest privilege in Aragon, which was traditionally venerated as the palladium of popular liberty. And the next day they seized three more who were likewise manifestados. The incensed magistrates applied to the justicia and to the diputados to release by force the prisoners from the aljaferia, and there was prospect of serious disorder. The governor of Aragon, however, succeeded in getting himself accepted as umpire by both sides, and temporarily quieted them by the compromise that the wagon, mules, and wine should be delivered to him that the prisoners should be surrendered through him to the city, and that the combinatory letters should be withdrawn, all this being without prejudice to either party. He wrote earnestly to the king, pointing out the imminent danger of an outbreak, and the necessity of a decision that should avert such perils for the future. If the assumption that such questions were matters of faith were admitted, the inquisitors could refuse all competencias which would annul the Concordia and destroy the royal jurisdiction. The city also addressed him, saying that the inquisitors had refused to abstain from further action pending his decision, and if these pretensions were admitted, they would be unable to pay him the servicio which had been granted. This resulted in a compromise, agreed upon between the Suprema and the Council of Aragon, under which the city obligated itself to supply the tribunal with meat, wine, and ice. It was impossible, however, to compel the Inquisition to observe compacts. Fresh complaints arose, the nature of which is indicated by a decree of Philip IV, June 17, 1630, requiring the Suprema to order the Inquisitors to keep to the agreement, and not to sell any portion of the provisions furnished and further to stop the trade carried on in some little houses in the aljaferia where the municipal supervisors could not inspect them this resulted in a fresh agreement of december seventh sixteen thirty one under which the city bought for three thousand crowns the casa de penitencia or prison for penitents and engaged to maintain in it shops for the sale of meat and ice to the inhabitants of the aljaferia at the prices current in the town probably this quieted the matter but before long the irrepressible inquisitors started another disturbance the salt works of remolinos and el castillon belonged to the royal patrimony and were framed out under condition that no other salt should be sold or used in saragossa and some other places under heavy fines to enforce this, there were commissioners empowered to investigate all suspected places, even churches not being exempt. In 1640, 
a party in the city was found to be selling salt and confessed that he had obtained it from the gardener of the aljaferia the commissioner baltasar peralta went there with a scrivener and in the gardener's cottage they found two sacks one empty the other nearly full of salt with a half-peck measure they announced the penalty to the gardener's wife and proceeded to enforce it in the customary manner by seizing pledges in the present case three horses the inquisitor who had doubtless been sent for came as they were leading the horses away forced the surrender of the horses and salt and told them that they should deem themselves lucky if they were not thrown in prison thereupon the royal advocate fiscal of aragon adrian de sada reported the case to the king adding that it was learned that the coachman of one of the inquisitors was selling salt from the salt works of sobradiel he pointed out that if the servants of the inquisition could sell salt freely and the royal officials be deterred by threats from investigation the revenue would be seriously impaired for no one would venture to farm the salt works and he asked for instructions before resorting to proceedings which might disturb the public peace as it happened on previous occasions the matter was referred to the council of aragon which advised the king to issue imperative commands that the inquisitors should not obstruct the detection and punishment of frauds for their cognizance in no way pertained to the holy office the saragossa tribunal had a still more prolonged and bitter dispute with the city over the bake oven of the aljaferia this belonged to the crown and at some time prior to sixteen thirty philip the fourth made it over to the tribunal which was pleading poverty its use of the privilege soon brought it into conflict with the city but a complicated arrangement respecting it was included in the agreement of december seventh sixteen thirty one requiring the baker to purchase at least seventy bushels of wheat per month from the public granary with certain restrictions as to the places whence he could procure further supplies in sixteen forty nine we chance to learn that the oven was farmed out for sixteen thousand reales per annum and in sixteen sixty three a lively conflict arose because the tribunal had granted a lease which was not subject to the restrictions of sixteen thirty one then again in sixteen ninety the trouble broke out afresh each side accusing the other of violating the agreement all the authorities from the king and viceroy down were invoked to settle it there were fears of violence but may first sixteen ninety one the tribunal reported to the suprema that a compromise had been reached on satisfactory terms the independent spirit of aragon caused it to suffer less from the mercantile enterprises of the inquisition than the more submissive temper of castile in sixteen twenty three there was a flagrant case in toledo arising from a butcher's shop established by the tribunal in violation of the municipal laws its violent methods triumphed and don luis de paredes an alcalde de corte sent thither to settle the matter was disgraced for attempting to restrain it this called forth an energetic protest from the council of castile which boldly told the king that he should not shut his eyes to the fact 
that the inquisitors were extending their privileges to matters beyond their competence, with such prejudice to the public weal that they were making themselves superior to the laws, to the government, and to the royal power, trampling on the judges, seizing the original documents, forcing them to revoke their righteous acts, arresting their officials, and treating them as heretics because they discharged their duty. In procuring provisions, whether for consumption or sale, besides the freedom from local imposts, the Inquisition had the further advantage of employing coercive methods on unwilling vendors and of disregarding local regulations and prohibitions. As early as 1533, the Aragonese at the Cortes of Monzon took the alarm and petitioned that the statutes of the towns, when short of breadstuffs and provisions, should be binding on officials of the Inquisition, to which the emperor's reply was the equivocating one, customary when evading confirmation. The significance of this is manifested by a Carta Acordada of 1540, authorizing the tribunals to get wheat in the villages for their officials and prisoners and, if the local magistrates interfere, to coerce them with excommunication. The inquisitorial zeal in using this permission sometimes overstepped the bounds, and, in this same year, the Suprema had occasion to rebuke a tribunal, which had issued orders to furnish it with wheat under pain of a hundred lashes, for it was told that, in rendering such extrajudicial sentences, it was exceeding its jurisdiction. How bravely the Suprema itself overcame all such scruples was manifest when laws of maximum prices and the heavy discount on the legal tender spurious vellon coinage rendered holders of goods unwilling to part with them at the legal rates. It issued, February 14, 1626, to its alcalde Pedro de Salazar, an order to go to any places in the vicinage and embargo sheep and whatever else he deemed necessary, sufficient for the maintenance of the households of the inquisitor-general and of the members and officials, paying therefore at the rates fixed by law, to effect which he was empowered to call for aid on all royal justices, who were required to furnish all necessary aid under penalty of major excommunication and five hundred ducats. So again, on April 11th, 1630, Salazar was ordered to go anywhere in the kingdom and seize six bushels of wheat in baked bread for some households, paying for it at the established price, and all officials, secular, ecclesiastical, and inquisitorial, were required to assist him under the same penalties. This was an organized raid on all the bakeries of Madrid, and Salazar was more scrupulous than the average official of the time, if he did not turn an honest penny by taking bread on his own account at the legal rate and selling it at the current one. The Tribunal of Valencia enjoyed another privilege in the important matter of salt, the royal monopoly of which rendered it so costly to the ordinary customer. Every year the Tribunal issued an order to the farmers of the salt works, commanding them, under pain of excommunication and fifty ducats, to deliver to the receiver of confiscations twelve cajices, or about forty-two bushels, 
of refined salt at the price of eight reales de cajis and the custom-house officials were summoned under the same penalties to let it pass without detention or trouble for the service of god the salt was duly apportioned among the officials at this trivial price each inquisitor getting four bushels down to the messengers who received two-thirds of a bushel and even jubilado officials had their portion when or how this originated is unknown in sixteen forty four it seems established as of old date and it continued until seventeen ten when the new dynasty brought it to a sudden conclusion the house of hacienda reported it to the king as though it were a novelty just discovered pointing out that the eight reales were less than the cost of transport from the works to the magazines that the manufacture was a monopoly of the regalias and the price charged was in no respect a tax or impost but was regulated by the necessities of the national defence that no other tribunal in spain secular or ecclesiastic made such a demand while the publication of censures against royal officials was dangerous in those calamitous times this aroused philip who ordered a prompt remedy the suprema no longer ventured an opposition or remonstrance but wrote immediately to valencia expressing its surprise the demand must be withdrawn at once if any censures had been published they must be revoked and no such demonstration should have been made without previous consultation it would be superfluous to adduce further examples of the manner in which the tribunals abused their power for unlawful gains and benefits and we can readily conceive the exasperation thus excited even among those most zealous in the extermination of heresy end of book two chapter three part two